0: hey there it's ethan from edge of nft here welcome to the episode today we're bringing you a very special one filled with content curated from our recent travels to southeast asia and beyond stay tuned for some amazing interviews with incredible folks we'll cut from one conversation to the next introducing each guest as they arrive to give you the feeling like you're right there with us jumping into each engaging conversation as it emerges stay tuned
1: All right, what's up everyone? This is Josh with Edge of NFT. Just got to Token 2049 and of course had to immediately go check out some amazing dope art. I'm here with Will Shark looking at some of the incredible collection of pieces that he's brought to show the masses here at Token 2049. 7,000 plus people expected. A lot of good energy going on. Who says anything about a bear market? This is an art market. Great to hang out and what do we have going on here?
2: Josh, thank you so much for all of you guys coming into the gallery. We're absolutely thrilled to be working with 2049 and showcasing a lot of NFT art here at Token 2049 Singapore. This gallery is created in tandem with both Token 2049 as well as Open. And what we've managed to do is curate roughly about 30 pieces from some of the leading NFT artists and creators in the space. What you're standing in front of is our very first part of the exhibition, the one and only Pak the highest selling NFT crypto artists in the entire space with over $350 million worth of art sold over the last 16 months. What we've done for the very first time, right next to you actually, is actually take out Pox, both of Pac's Genesis pieces. So the standing offer on these are extremely high. I won't disclose the exact number, but essentially what you see in Cloud Monument Light and Cloud Monument Dark are, his, are their two Genesis pieces today. And they are definitely highly coveted by they're, a lot of the artists, collectors in the world today. They're beautiful. Thank you. We absolutely love the minimalism that he brings to the, that he brings to his art. And in that case, also being able to create something that's extremely unique now what you have right next to you when i do collect digital art i really enjoy collecting things that are not possible to do on paper or paint and canvas so essentially pak i mean with his streak in minimalism he's also able to deliver an extremely unique experience with the art that he creates for instance here are three of eight rubik's cubes that Pac actually created. And as you can see, they are absolutely stunningly beautiful with the different colors, with the different transformations of each and every single one of them. So these are really one of his, are three of his, also three of his earliest works on top of that we actually did sell one at sotheby's in november for 1.1 million dollars so essentially what you see here josh what was the color scheme of that one this is rubik's fortune this is a gold a gold rubik's cube that the one at Sotheby's. the one that sold was also a gold
1: yeah the gold one definitely draws me in i mean the red one's beautiful the silver is beautiful there's just something about the detail and this gold one that really like captures your your attention so
2: it's really the molding on it and you can see it's not just a pure gold but there's a marble around it and then you know, again, when people look at a Rubik's Cube, they assume they're going, it's gonna move in like a standard basis. And it does start out as a standard basis, but all of a sudden it starts to throw everyone off with these amazing movements and creative movements that it has instead.
1: Yeah, you can configure life in so many different ways and it sort of exemplifies that.
2: Fully agreed with you, Josh.
1: So now we're moving towards uh, XCopy.
2: So- I don't think XCopy needs an introduction to any of the Web3 or Crypto DGens in the space. x is probably the most famous and most enjoyed crypto artist in the entire space. I was fortunate enough to be a very early collector of XCopy, and today, Whale has about 26 one-of-ones uh, that x had launched on SuperRare. The average price of these usually run anywhere for his old work, run anywhere between two to $7 million. Uh, these are some of his earliest works and as you can see, The reason why I love and collect X-Copy is because the emotion is so raw. Glitch art really isn't something that has broken the mainstream yet, but X-Copy truly exemplifies that glitch style as he looks to, I believe, express discontent with some of the things that are happening around the world. As you can see, right next to the jungle, there's something called, but you can't hang it on your wall, that Josh is standing in front of right now. You know, that really was X Copy's expression of discontent on people saying that NFTs aren't worth anything because you can't hang it on the wall. Well, everybody, guess what? It's hanging on a wall right now, all right? I just see his eyes wide open in,
1: in this particular figure, but yet the slashes through the eyes, you know?
2: Exactly. It's, again, it's his expression of discontent to things that are unfair, to things that are not right. And again, given that strong belief that Xcopy had in nfts this was his way of expressing his discontent with people saying that nfts were not worth anything well he showed them (laughs) similarly you can see the same glitch style in the jungle as well as the influencer and trender that you have over here again one of my favorites is the influencer because i am relatively I, i i always encourage everyone to do their own research right and when you have people who are blindly following influencers, particularly in the NFT space, that sometimes can lead to a lot of trouble. So absolutely love his work. You can see the anger, you can see the discontent, but at the same time, you can see the custom use of glitch style to bring out that notion. By the way, the music that you're hearing hearing today has been actually curated by Verbal. Uh, Verbal from Ambush, Verbal from the Teriyaki Boys, Verbal from Emflow. Great. So it's amazing and, yeah, to have yeah. that as a backdrop for all of us. And
1: stay tuned guys, you'll hear another interview with Verbal uh, if, if you, if you uh,
2: keep up with the content from uh, our trip to Singapore. So, the final crypto artist that I've curated here at this, at this uh, exhibition today is Hakitao. If you know X-Coffee, you know Hackitao. If you know Hackitao, you know X-Coffee. They were two of the very first people to actually launch their NFTs on Super Rare all the way back then. Hackitao is a husband and wife pair from Italy. They were extremely successful, as well extremely well-known in the Italian contemporary art scene from a traditional standpoint, and were one of the very first artists to take the leap from the traditional into the digital. So as you can see here, what Hackatao does is that they do provide a commentary on social, political, as well as media-based events. And Josh, what you're standing in front of right now, Rare-Eyed Frog, is really a call to action for people to protect the environment, right? The husband-wife pair, I mean, they're one of the very few duos in the space, but equally as famous and equally as coveted as XCOPI is. Yeah, it's a beautiful piece as well. What I really love about this, Josh, is again, when you look at, when I collect digital art, I want to see movement. I want to see the perfect lines. I want to see the perfect circles. I really want to see things done on a digital canvas that you cannot do with pen and paper or you cannot do with paint and a canvas, right? Yeah, so, there's definitely
1: some layers to that piece, right? That the writing looks deep and rich, like
2: like a tattoo. Exactly, absolutely. And I've only sold three NFTs out of the 420,000 NFTs that I purchased since 2019. We sold one pack at auction at Sotheby's in November of last year, that went for 1.1 million. And we were also fortunate enough, or I wasn't fortunate enough, but one of a, another leading NFT influencer, Pranksy. Was fortunate enough to have acquired a hackathon for myself for about five hundred thousand dollars in November of last year. And how many offers do you get on your NFTs? We get a large number of offers, but I think our track record in terms of making sure that we're holding on to our NFTs really speaks volumes about the way that I view the industry moving forward. Absolutely. Yeah. As you can see here, these are two of my favorites. Actually, Selfication, which basically talks about censorship in terms in a selfie. I guess in a selfie-driven society, while at the same time Z-Girl to me really represents a commentary on the popularity of zombies within mass media that we've seen over the last three to four years. So again, extremely beautiful pieces, extremely tastefully done, while at the same time bringing out a very poignant point, uh, whether that be social, whether that be political, um, or whether that be on mass media as a whole.
1: Yeah, it is kind of interesting when you think about all, all the zombie-related uh, film projects and, and and just generally in speaking, the zombie runs, exactly. right? Exactly, yep. But 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 then we have this situation where we're
2: trying to awaken society in that contrast. Correct. Yeah. Absolutely love this piece. This was probably one of the, my most favorite pieces that I purchased from Hackatao all the way back in 2019 i got to say, it's, it's amazing. I, I wouldn't mind it hanging up in my
3: office either.
2: <laughs> Just so, saying. The final part of this NFT exhibition, at least from my side, that I put together was curating an extremely famous and revered uh, photographer. Now, Michael Yamashita is probably the most legendary National Geographic photographer in the world. He has close to 2 million followers on Instagram, which also makes him one of the most followed photographers in the entire world. Now, Michael is up there in age, uh, but he, he still continues to take his, his inventory of photographs, taking new photographs, and really joining the NFT space as a mentor, as a leader, and truly as an example of how, of how these artists really create out of the love. Now. Michael Yamashita is amazing because I mean, given his storied career, he's had access to places in China that no one else or no other foreigner has ever had before, right? So when you're looking at whether that's mountains in the mist or the seasons of Go, uh, which are beautiful scenic places within China, he's able to capture that for all eternity using his lens. Now, the other brilliant thing about Michael Yamashita is that he captures all of that data from the focal length, from the, from the equipment that he uses, from the weather, from the location, all in the metadata itself. So essentially, if you click on any of these NFPs, it'll pop up a whole list of the metadata in terms of when he did it, uh, how he did it, what equipment did he use, uh, everything. So this really was the first time I saw the blockchain used so aptly uh, within NFP art, and I think he's absolutely fantastic and amazing.
1: Yeah, definitely an early pioneer. We had a Numbers Protocol at NFTLA, which is trying to elevate photography in that mm-hmm. way. But, but it takes individuals like Michael to sort of start the movement people to look at photography in, 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 as an NFT capability as opposed to just digital photography, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah, this is breathtaking. Uh, I've been to Japan, uh-huh. I've not been to China yet, and I definitely want to go after looking at this
2: incredible art. It's a beautiful place, particularly the natural landscape. Over there next to the seasons of Ju Go, number 4724, you also see his uh, photography on Tibet, which again, I mean, Michael does take a lot of pictures, whether that be about nature, but he also takes a lot of social pictures and understanding about the heritage. So what over here, this is one of my favorites. Um, It's basically a photo from Michael Yamashita on his Tibet Tibet assignment. But next to that is probably the most interesting uh, of all the five pieces that you see here. Now, when you look at it, you probably wouldn't think that it's photography. However, what Michael did, and he's always pushing the boundaries, is he took his photos, fed them into an AI algorithm and and used a generative algorithm to come out with an artistic interpretation of his photos. So, uh, so this is a uh, generative adversarial network uh, piece, and basically it is comprised of several, of Michael Yamashita's photos together, coming out with a brilliant art piece like this.
1: Yeah, it's it's fascinating, especially with the recent rise in uh, AI art and mm-hmm. some of the controversy. Right, with some artists being concerned about it cannibalizing on the true nature of the work. You have a you have a, a very respected artist that take it a different position
2: mm-hmm. and sort of used it to enhance his work. Exactly. I believe that everything, everything is possible in the age of technology, whether technology aids you, whether you're doing it in concert with an algorithm or code, or whether or not you're just feeding the source into AI and allowing that to develop what it may. I think it's a brilliant time to be alive, particularly for the artistic side of the world. I couldn't agree more. Will Shark, thank you so much for spending some time with us and
1: for sharing this beautiful collection with the world. It's my pleasure, dude. Thank you coming to the gallery. Hi everyone, this is Josh Krieger with Edge of NFT live again at Token 2049. And I'm so humbled and honored to be here with the one and only Will Shark. And we're having a nice conversation. It's, it's the morning of, of day two. So it's a little quiet, people, Probably had a lot of fun last night. I hope you did as well. Absolutely. But we showed up, right? And I actually don't drink a lot. So it's kind of... Nice, because I get to come in early and be ready for the day.
2: Josh, thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely love your guys' show. And similar to you, I don't drink a lot, but drinking is not a requirement to really enjoy these next two days in Singapore. It's been an absolute blast.
1: Yeah, let's be energized by the coffee, the food, the conversations, and of course, the amazing art that you brought to the table. What was the reaction folks had the the first day um, seeing that amazing exhibit that you walked us through?
2: It's, it's been an amazing experience. I can tell you again, it started off a little bit slow in the morning. What we've actually realized is that a lot of the people here at Token2049 are actually DeFi or cryptocurrency first, but us being here as one of the only NFT exhibits in the entire space really helped us evangelize a lot of people to go further down that rabbit hole and understand, hey, it's not just about the cryptocurrency. It's not just about the decentralized finance. Hey, look, you can collect digital collectibles as well now it's been a very interesting day i would highlight probably the most asked question by a lot of people who visited our booth or visited our exhibition has been so how do you make money that is literally the number one question that people have been asking and our response really i mean in true web3 fashion has been we hodl right so we hodl our nfts the second most asked question has actually been, hey, can I buy those pieces? And for those of you who are familiar with me, 420,000 NFTs over the last three years, only three sold. The short answer is no, right? So it's been an extremely engaging experience. I'm very glad that we have been here, even though it's not an NFT first exhibition, but it really has allowed us to play an ambassador role here in Singapore to teach people more about digital music, digital photography and NFTs. That's
1: that's amazing. I wanna rewind, but but I do have another related question because this is our first time um, in Asia since COVID, um, getting to know the, the community, both the crypto community, the Web3 community, and you've been on the ground here for a while. What is the NFT scene like uh, throughout Asia, um, Singapore, Japan, South Korea? And what's what's been your sort of experience with with the adoption of you know, collecting fine art NFTs in this Area of the world relative to the United States.
2: That's a wonderful question, Josh. And I can tell you that each market is very, very different. So, you know, again, if I'm taking a look and looking it from north all the way to south in Asia, in the north of Asia, essentially, you have countries like Korea. Uh, everyone knows that Seoul is the mecca of uh, of esports, and so naturally, we saw a lot of strong adoption, not only by development companies. Uh, but also Web3 companies like Animoca Brands who launched, a, who launched a sandbox. And you saw a lot of people talk and adhere and adopt, you know, game-oriented NFTs. When you went to Japan, I think it's a mixed basket of every single type of NFTs. You had so many famous creators. Japan is also one of my favorite sources for NFT photographers. Such incredible art in Japan. It's amazing. It's amazing. Even the great Murakami has put its foot in the game by not only releasing his own Murakami flowers or working with the artifact team on Clone X, um, I think the north of Asia is very, very much excited about the possibility of NFTs. Moving on to the South, essentially what you have is you have China, you have Hong Kong, and you have Southeast Asia. Again, what you're seeing is you're seeing a very mixed bag of people who go towards different types of NFTs, whether that be PFPs, whether that be digital art, whether that be digital photography, whether that be music. But I do want to highlight Hong Kong particularly uh, as a very special hub for NFTs in the region. Uh, It's no surprise that a lot of the world's largest traditional art collectors actually live in Hong Kong. And while you will never know what they've collected because they, like myself, prefer to run anonymously in the space, I can tell you that fine art, fine digital art is thriving in all of the art markets where fine art is recognized.
1: That's, that's great to know. And I want to do a call out to a particular Chinese contemporary artist. I'm going to let you pronounce his name. I'm going to show you my phone because I don't want to butcher it. But my girlfriend actually got so excited about the fine art side of NFTs here that she bought one of his first digital pieces and it's a fireworks experience. So this is the name of the
2: artist. Cai Guoqiang is one of my most favorite digital artists throughout the world. He is an amazing talent who is displayed throughout some of the most prestigious galleries and museums. On top of that, he is probably the most humble man she will or I have ever had the chance to meet.
1: Oh my God, she's gonna be so excited that you know him and you respect him as well. It was a beautiful piece where Basically, they based on the, the different conditions you <laughs> chose and the time of day you met. It was a completely unique fireworks display. Correct. So did you pick up some of those as well?
2: I actually did. I am actually clo- I am actually very close friends with Mr. Chai. Oh, wow. So I've actually had the opportunity to interview him twice. Once before his first NFT drop and the second one during his second NFT drop, your daytime fireworks, which is what you just showed me. Okay. And essentially he was working with TR Labs to create an education system where people would understand more about his history and work and then be rewarded with the ability to collect these amazing NFTs but the man is an absolute legend. Uh, he's extremely humble. Uh, he currently operates out of the US, so who knows? Maybe some of his US fans will get an opportunity. Oh, to let's, get him ca-
1: let's get him to LA for NFTLA <laughs> with you, you know? I'm sure um, he'd love that. All right, well, we'll have to talk about that. But let's rewind a bit. You're also a living icon in this space. How did you get into NFTs?
0: You have questions about blockchain? Like, how big of a block can you chain without throwing out your back? Or, have you received that chain letter? How did you block it? And does blockchain taste better barbecued or deep fried? (laughs) Luckily, you don't have to ponder these quandaries alone anymore. Because Blockchain Training Alliance is here to answer them and also train you in real-world blockchain issues that will impact your business's bottom line and oriented future forward along the ley lines of the most important tech humanity has perfected since harnessing atomic energy filled with treasure, (laughs) argh. So hurry and sign up for the Blockchain Training Alliance course that best fits your needs at blockchaintrainingalliance.com. Use discount code EDGEOV for 50% off and start your next block today.
2: It was a decade long process for me to actually to reach NFTs. The first time I heard about cryptocurrency and the blockchain technology was actually in 2010. It took me about two years to buy my first Bitcoin. But you know, once I understood what financial freedom looked like, I literally took half to three quarters of my salary every single month from 2012 all the way to 2015, purchasing Bitcoin at about $250 average price. And in what industry were you in at that time? I was actually doing marketing and branding, so I did have a relatively successful career, you know, working as corporate. But again, you know, you're always looking for that next leg up and that evolution towards what you want to become. Bought Bitcoin uh, at an average of, of that price for roughly about three to four years. And then after that, there was a point in 2015, 2016, where the block times or the transaction times were taking like half a day. Back then, you know, Bitcoin was supposed to be digital money and not digital gold. So I got a little bit frustrated and it probably for good reason, but I ended up selling all of that Bitcoin that I'd purchased over those last three to four years. And in 2015, bought, went full FOMO into Ethereum and bought Ethereum roughly about nine bucks.
1: Very cool. Speaking of branding, I got to give you a shout out because, you know, of course, we want to be creative with our partnership packages for NFTLA last year. So we actually did have a whale shark option. But, but what was trying like, it was a little challenging is, do we put that above the whale package or below? Like, is it, like where does that fit into
2: the hierarchy
1: of, of the sea?
2: Oh,
4: that, I don't know I,
1: what, what you would have done if you were, of course, I think you I would have put whale shark
2: above it. I, honestly, I'm absolutely flattered and humbled, but honestly, at the end of the day, I just consider myself, again, one of many, many collectors within this space. Yeah. I mean, you could have had a dolphin package and you could put whale shark underneath the dolphin <laughs> package all
1: right, as well. All right. Well, good to know that if we mix things up, this year, you're sort of neither here nor there for you. All right. So we're at, uh, I would say, a pivotal point in the NFT economy, but also just the cryptocurrency economy and the global economy. What do you see going on right now?
2: So I think crypto has had a very, very good run over the last more than a decade. Right. And what we're seeing now are the challenges and the frictions that you see as something which many, many people... Many governments, and you know many authorities didn 't believe was going to be a thing, empower the masses and are now slowly starting to get worried about that decentralization of monetary policy, that decentralization of financial systems, and are actually moving forward to try restrain that growth simply because again, they lose control over their monetary system so It's a little bit sad, but I think it is inevitable, right? As, you know, cryptocurrencies become a real thing. In addition to that, again, decentralized finance, uh, you no longer have these big banks, you know, hiring tens and thousands or hundreds of thousands of people trying to run processes, but rather have automated smart contract protocols.
1: I guess like, yeah, I mean, it's inevitable that when so much attention and headlines go into a space that everyone starts to pay attention and, you know, when I'm, I'm, there's unfortunate scams, like uh, Terra Luna, I wouldn't call that a scam per se, but unfortunate events like that, yep. you know, that creates even more attention. But is there something to be said about the broadness of the industry relative to like the fine art industry? Like in a lot of ways, you know, I imagine there's been fine art scams too, not just like forged pieces, but artists that were overhyped by a segment of the industry and their value of their pieces went up artificially and then perhaps went down. Like why hasn't that made headlines? And why is this so different than fine art?
2: So Josh, I think you're bringing up a very closely guarded, quote unquote, secret of the traditional industry. You know, while there are artists that have truly made it on their own two feet, a lot of, I wouldn't say a lot, but there are a couple of artists in the traditional world who are actually king made, right? by major collectors, major whales, with a significant amount of money who were able to boost these creatives into the spotlight. You know, again, without naming any names, it's not only you know prevalent in the traditional art industry, it is also prevalent in the digital art industry, mm-hmm. but not even in the digital art industry. I would say that it's actually prevalent in every single asset class in NFTs, right? At this point in time. Well, when you look at generative projects with only 10,000 assets and each person on average holds a total of three to four assets, you're only talking about 2,500 holders, right? When you have, uh, yeah, the market yeah, isn't yeah. broad or deep enough, No, right?
1: I mean, there are some very active
2: communities
1: where the activity is really circulating around a couple hundred people.
2: That, absolutely. But in the case of scams, particularly as it adheres to digital art, you know, I think one of the great things about the blockchain is that you can actually identify the players, you can identify the collectors, you can identify the provenance, you can identify the actual public prices, right? Which provides an additional layer of transparency over, I guess, some of the shady deals that we see in the traditional art world. Now, given that, I would say while there are, and I do know several artists who have rode the wave in a not so transparent manner, I do know that the majority of artists in the space have actually been democratically elected buy people's wallets. And many of those artists, I'm very proud to be of holders in the whale vault today.
1: That's great. And, you know, I I think you're, you sort of uh, fit in a segment of the industry that is pretty distinct in that you're not necessarily looking for utility. Everyone's talking about utility as sort of the next frontier of the PFP movement. What's your thoughts there?
2: So, I believe that each different NFT asset class has a utility, right? So when we look at digital art, you know, the utility of digital art is art, right? It's meant to be appreciated. It's meant to be thought about. It's meant to be contemplated. It's meant to be tried to be understood. In terms of utility from a profile picture perspective or PFP perspective, Again, I don't have a very good track record with the PFP community because I am, I usually don't mince words, right? And I usually do shoot it out straight. I did write a long thread about why I don't think PFPs are going to be the next big NFT asset class, given the fact that there are so many things going against it. I mean, the first thing is that when you look at PFP Utility, I guess the very first thing that people always say is, hey, uh, we'll give you licensing rights, right? Once you buy this PFP, you have licensing rights, you get to do anything you want with it, put it on a t-shirt, you know, put it on Cartoon Network, you know, do whatever you want to do with it. Now, everyone wants to be Disney, right? But if, have you ever taken a look at the hundreds of Disney characters that are in their roster? Each they, of them. That didn't make it? That did make it or didn't make it. Yeah. Each of them are different and unique. Now take one, for example, take one ape and put it next to another ape, put five apes and take five apes and put them into, into 10 different TV channels or series. They all look the same, right? The, differenti- the pictorial differentiation between PFPs is not significant enough to be able to have a strong license. So that would be my first rebuttal. And the second thing I would bring up is, and we were discussing this earlier, is that you know, what are the core competencies of PFP projects? It's hype and marketing. Now, for a hype and marketing company to say that we want to develop the metaverse, we want to develop cartoons, we want to develop a game, that's literally, metaphorically speaking, a Chinese restaurant, a Chinese takeaway restaurant in America saying we're also going to do the best Japanese food and Korean food at the same time where is the core competency and how do you leverage your core competency to make a project that truly has good and strong utility? I think that's the main question that needs to be answered.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great question and it'll be exciting to see what's to come. Is there anything you're looking forward to and that you see in the space that inspires you?
2: Absolutely. So I think when we look at the space today, we call it the NFT industry, right? And I think that's okay right now, right? The NFT industry or NFTs are so relatively small. However, in the future, I think NFTs are going to be an invisible layer of the internet. And you know, while we're all saying NFTs today, I don't think our children or our grandchildren will be calling them NFTs because they're just digital assets. So what I'm really looking forward to is having NFT technology be as invisible and as integrated as TCP IP protocols, right? And instead of talking about the NFT industry, we'll be talking about the digital art industry, the digital photography industry, the digital music industry, and perhaps, again, the digital real estate industry, rather than just NFTs all clumped together as a whole.
1: Yeah, something really exciting to look forward to and interested to see where things go. And what's next for you?
2: After this, I am going to take a little bit of a respite. My team has been taking quite a lot of work time in, t- in terms of getting out both of these galleries that we hear at Token 2029. I know how that goes. <laughs> and apparently I'm going to NFT LA.
1: Yes. All right. Well, let's see you there. And thanks again for spending some time together. This was really great. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Josh. Hi, everyone. This is Josh Krieger, co-host of Edge of NFT here live at Token 2049 with Lucas Lee of Affin. Lucas, great to have you here. Great to have me. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. It's my pleasure. For those of you at home that don't know Lucas, he is the founder and CEO of Affin. And this is an incredible project that's reinventing the gaming model with a sustainable play and earn economy. And Lucas has secured over 20 million dollars in funding to build a great game. As a seasoned leader within more than 10 years of experience in the lifestyle brand space, he's certainly no stranger to leading international teams to growth and success, including helping to launch a startup that was acquired by a NASDAQ-listed firm. He was also in the core leadership team that helped a U.S.-based company launch and penetrate the Asian market, where it went from $91 million to $926 million in annual revenue within four years. Not shabby at all. And since 2016, Lucas has been exposed to blockchain and cryptocurrency. has been actively involved in the space. Wow, that's quite a bio, Lucas. Thank you. Would love to sort of kick things off. Just give us an overview of Affin, man, and how this play earn metaverse, you know, is being built with a sustainable economy. Clearly, we've learned some things over the last year that you're building into the product.
4: Yep. So yeah, thanks for having me here today. Right. So to give you a little insight of what Affin is and how it came about. So almost more than a year ago, I wanted to create, you know, something that could really bring people together. And the whole idea of Affin, it's short for Affinity, right? We want to create something where people can have fun together, play with their friends, and really interact with their friends and family, right? So that's why the whole concept of how Affin actually came about. So all ages. All ages, across all demographics. So one of the things that inspired me was really Pokemon Go. Mm-hmm. Pokemon Go wasn't just targeted at gamers, it was targeted across all demographics. There wasn't like a single human I know that didn't download <laughs> it and try that game. Yeah, and more importantly, people were not sitting behind a desk playing it, right? They were really going out there to parks, going out there to talk about where they should go together today, right? So integrating the real world aspect of it into the virtual world. So I was inspired with that, but I was thinking to myself, what if there was a way where people can play and earn with their friends and family while you know, doing, having fun together, right? So imagine the fun and entertainment combining with an earning aspect of it, right? So I started conceptualizing this whole idea for more than one year. And, and finally, with a very clear blueprint of how we actually create a sustainable game economy. Because the economy, to create a sustainable game economy was the biggest challenge and biggest hurdle we, we faced. And this was before all the metaverse, all the play and earn hype even came about. We didn't even knew Xfinity Infinity existed back then. So we had a very strong head start because we have been trying to overcome this hurdle for one over a year. So finally, last year in September, we went into our fundraising campaign and we, within a short four month period, we actually raised almost more than $20 million US million in funding. So to really execute this game, and today we have close to 40 full-time staff in the company Working from really dynamic, they are very experienced professionals from their various industries working on executing, making this vision into a reality.
1: I'm just like envisioning since your whole thing is about fun, you have like a pretty fun office, maybe some good snacks, maybe some games around there. Yeah.
4: So, one of the things that our community were very impressed with was our office. Right. Okay. We- yeah. I, I knew this guy
1: has a great office.
4: Yeah. So we want to create an office where we have this vision, where we want to make it such that when you are stressed at home, okay, especially up, like
1: during up. these uh, <laughs> tough times with you know COVID and everything, yep. like. You know, you got to be creative. You got to be innovative.
4: Yeah, so it's very nature-like. It's very innovative. Uh, it's very open concept and very interactive office space. I wish I can show you a video and image of it. I'd love to see it at some point And,
1: you know, I, I can picture that. I'm not surprised based on your personality. So you guys did an inaugural NFT collection that, is this right? sold out in a hundred yeah. <laughs> Um, And the floor price went up over 30 ETH or 30 times. 30 times, um, yeah. When
4: was that? So we, we held this sale on July six, 6th, 6th of July, about two months ago. Two oh, months wow. Ago. So this is actually in the bear market. So, yeah, yeah, so that yeah. says a lot
1: about, you know, what you're building. Congrats yeah. on that. Thank you. Thank you. And you got a
4: new land sale coming up on September 30th. Is that correct? So we'll be making an announcement to review the full details of our upcoming land sale. So the whole quarterfall will be all about our upcoming land sale campaign. And the community is excited about it. They are very hyped about it. And, and it's, it's actually tomorrow, 30th of September. We'll be giving the full review of how the game looks like. You know, the full details of the land review. All of them have been waiting for this moment and it's one more day away. That's incredible. And it's a setting week. There's a lot of action here. And
1: it took in 2049 with the Formula One race. So it's a great time for something like this. Yeah, yeah,
4: exactly. Um,
1: You know, this is going to air after the reveal. So does that mean that we can sort of get a little sneak peek of of the game? Yeah, I mean, you'll be the first to see it, actually. All right, cool. So so we're going to do a little screen clip from Lucas's phone. He's going to share this with us. And and then we'll sort of edit this into... um, um, to the video, and I hope our listeners on the podcast go check out our YouTube video to actually see a demo of the product, and I'm going to uh-huh. look over his shoulder right now and check yeah. it out. So,
4: so, we, uh, so we started the broadcast? Yep, I've already started recording already. Yeah, So uh, basically what we are creating, it's a metaverse world called a Nexus, Nexus World. Right. So Nexus World, it's a world where it's an untouchable world, and where unique creatures are, exist, called buddies, right? So we basically can travel around this thing called the overworld, these are fun guys, like, they're kind of, they're bigger
1: sort of creatures. They could be, like, intimidating if you didn't know them. But when you kind of get to know them, you feel
4: like, ah, oh, this guy's cool. Yep, yep, yep. So, all this, uh, every hexagons you see are all the plots of lens in our metaverse, right? So, you can travel around the overworld, and if, let's say, you decided to land in this spot, right, it'll bring you down, you know, to this, this area, right? So, this is my avatar, and this is one of my buddy. And the graphics, by the way, are very vivid. Thank you, thank you. So this is one of the sold-out NFT that sold out in 100 seconds. So what we are trying to do is to create a utility of our NFTs rather than just a profile picture purpose. Right, you can actually buy the NFT and integrate it into the game.
1: And what are some of the different traits of those NFTs? Like like this one I'm looking at has blue hair, a cute tail. Yeah. What are some of the differences among the creatures and the rarities?
4: So, you know, avid gamer for many, many, many years, right? Okay. One of the things that I spent a lot of money, guilty of spending money a lot on is on aesthetics, right? So I play this game called Doda. I spent, you know, guiltily spent over thousands of dollars buying uh, avatars, hats, and everything just to just have this bragging rights. So one of the aspects of it, right, is that this uh, character here, right, there's only 100 in the world, right? Okay, there will never be more, right? This is a mythical creature called uh, Frostville Nessie, right? So when having this NFT inside here, when you walk around the world, you know, people will be able to see, wow, you are one of the 100 Frostview Nessie owners, right? That you can actually use it. Right, so we didn't want to make it uh, imbalanced such that when you have money, you buy this, you make it make the whole game imbalanced. We wanted to make it uh, it's free to play, right, and more importantly, cannot pay to win, right. So that there's long term longevity of this game. So you can try move around with it, you know, you can move around the grass with it, and then you can explore the whole world around it. So one of the key objectives of this game is to capture what we call buddies, Right, you can see this buddy over here. All right, you can actually capture this love piece here, right. So the objective uh, is. To it's like it? a fun sort of net. Oh, he's, he he has a net and he's and he's. Yep. <laughs> so you want to capture them, okay? Protect them, keep them under your care, and then work together with them to fight those uh, bosses, those threats that are threatening the world like that, right? You can move around, you can see around, and there are, oh, then you can see oh, okay, there's there's someone over there, somebody over there, right? So this is what we call a flume, a dif- different kind, a level five flume, which is going to be very hard to catch, but let me try it. <laughs> Right. So, oh, so the- you should be a pro, but... Oh! Alright, oh. come on! Oh, no. Come on, come on. Okay. Alright. Alright, ah! well, even the best baseball players swing and master. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When you have all these buddies, right, okay, you can actually prepare for them, okay, to go and fight uh, Ritz. And, and for example, this is one of the boss. So when they defeat these monsters, right, they can actually earn rewards. All right, and these rewards they can actually spend not only within the game but they can also spend and use within the real world so right so we're a book for travel holidays and stuff and they can actually do it
1: Wow, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. So, so you're doing partnerships with travel companies
4: and brands, brands, a and, lifestyle, and every aspect of it. So we want to create utility of the tokens not only in the virtual world but also in the real world. Is there a specific brand that you can
1: talk about that? You, no, not, not yet. yet. Not yet. <laughs> All right, That's fine. Well, yeah. we'll have to have you back, and yeah. we'll get into more details.
0: Hey there, NFT space cadet. Let's zoom in on the globe from outer space today to Abbott Kinney Boulevard in Venice Beach, LA. Let me show you a cosmic tech beacon that shines out among the bustle of fashion, art, and food there. It's a thriving software dev, data science, and design studio known as AE Studio where scores of the sharpest minds have come together to help founders and execs create software and machine learning solutions that are not only profitable and increase our agency as humans, but that give us that warm, fuzzy feeling that elegant tech so wonderfully does. AE's breadth of talent allows them to build anything from instillvideo.com. It's a health, fitness, and wellness app that makes your chakras tingle to award-winning brain-computer interface solutions that could quite literally bend our minds. Oh, and keep an eye out for Token Runners, their NFT white-label marketplaces, as well as our highly anticipated NFT drop, Boomer NFT. Now, for all you DGens who strive to shed the cummerbund and pearls, comes a jaw-dropping, awe-inspiring partnership, not seen since the heyday of Shaq and Kobe. It's called Edge of AE Studio. That's edgeofae.com. Actual results may vary depending on moon landing location, domain of stardom, scale and model of yacht, as well as weather scale model of yacht or actual yacht.
4: So one of the key aspects of uh, the objective is to kill this monster in under 60 seconds, right? Okay, the gameplay is very simple, right? Send your buddy out to go ahead and fight, okay? Now, uh, very similar to like Uno, right? When you call Uno cards, right? You will see, oh, there's a red card, you know, and there's a shape. So the ne- the, the name of the game to stack it. Alright, so if you see, okay, the next one is a sun, red, you don't have it, then you switch it. And then you put red on star. Alright, so that you can continue your combo. So the more you stack it, the more you combo you do, the more you can be able to defeat the monster and you can earn. So this is uh, just a rough example of how to play it.
1: Lucas was multitasking, talking while playing, so he didn't win that round. But I'm sure if you were fully focused, you would have defeated the monster (laughs) and got some cool travel trip to Bali, right? Yeah. It's not that far from there. Yep. That's pretty awesome. I'm excited. Your excitement about the game is is very enthusiastic. So you got the big launch tomorrow, you got the land sale. You know, what's
4: next? Where do you see all of this going? And um, what platform is this built on? It's built on Polygon. Okay. Yeah, we'll be on Polygon chain. So far, it's pretty good. Polygon has been quite seamless for us. It's fast, its uh, transaction cost is low, right? We are comfortable using it. So what's coming next for us is we have been following and executing according to our roadmap, uh, leading to our close beta, which is uh, quarter one of next year. So what you've seen is just only the alpha, the alpha version. I mean, that's, that's a lot
1: that you've built over that time. And it takes a long time to build a great game. So clearly you put an
4: A-team together. Thank you. So on top of this game, this is one of our only many of our metaverses that we are going to build. So because uh, on top of this, actually we'll be announcing tomorrow, you know, that we are building something on top additional of this metaverse. So that we want to introduce interoperability of our NFTs across all the metaverses.
1: So does that mean Decentraland and Crypto Voxels and Sandbox and those metaverses?
4: We intend to be able to integrate with many of these metaverses, for example, the ones that you mentioned, right? Uh, so that we actually encourage the strong use case of NFTs. And that's really what we envision how blockchain and NFTs supposed to be. You see. So,
1: What does the metaverse even mean to you? I I mean, people ask me that question all the time.
4: So to me, right, I mean, metaverse, it's a very broad definition, right? Uh, Everybody have a different idea and opinion on it, right? It's just like technology is very broad, right? But to me, right, uh, metaverse, it's a virtual world, right? Where, you know, users can go into that world to interact with other players. They can create content, they can add value uh, to other players, right, so that, you know, it creates a whole economy on its own, right, so think of it as the real world, that what we do here adds value to other players, you can also go into the virtual world to create, let's say, businesses, right, create products and services, and interact with other players itself, so it it becomes an economy on its own.
1: Is there like a hardware component to this that you think is needed or are you trying to
4: go hardware-less where all you need is your phone? Uh, all we need is the phone. Yeah, we want to make it as seamless as possible where, you know, let's say you are in the real world. You are, you're bored. You, are, you nothing, don't know what you want to do, right? You can actually enter into the metaverse, the virtual itself right to go there to interact so because the beauty of metaverse right is not and earn
1: earn something yeah, while, yeah. You're, or, while and you're there
4: the beauty of the metaverse right is the limitless imagination what players can do in the world in the virtual world as compared to the real world
1: and you know you mentioned earlier this is about sort of hanging out with your friends and your family we saw like the one person um, point of view like how is collaboration going to be possible within your game among folks that know each other what can they do together
4: that they can't do as individuals. Yeah. So, uh, since our whole game, uh, our whole vision of the company is to bring people together, right? So we we want to create a uh, quests, activities, you know, raids that requires uh friends and family to do it together to amplify the earning rewards, right? So when you know that, okay, well, if I were to do it alone, I only earn this much. But if I were to do it with a friend and family, I earn this much. So it creates that kind of initiative among players to go and like, oh my, come, let's go and do this together. We'll see what families are functional versus dysfunctional. <laughs> yeah, but it bridges people of different generations together.
1: No, I love that. I can see like a world gaming convention for your game where all these families are on teams wearing their team, like yeah. family team shirts and everything like that.
4: Yeah, so we have a, we have some, a concept called the ultimate rate. The annual ultimate rate. So maybe that can happen also with with what you envision also. <laughs>
1: cool. We might have to have the finals at NFTLA uh, at some point. You know, we have a conference coming up March twentieth through the twenty third. Um, We have a whole gaming track in Los Angeles. I'm sure folks would be really excited to learn more about what you're doing over there.
4: Thank you. Pretty exciting, too.
1: (laughs) Well, um, thanks for spending a little bit of time with us. I know you're really busy. You got this big lunch tomorrow. If folks are interested in learning more about you and
4: the project, getting involved in the community, what should they do? Join our socials, right? All our socials across its official affin. A-F-F. A-F-F-Y-N, Y-N. right? Our website is affin.com, affy So you can enjoy our socials, you can enjoy our website to actually look through our team. you know, our background and the vision of what we are trying to do. We have a very detailed 70 over pages website, white paper. Or you can look through our pitch deck that gives you a summarized version of what we do. We even have a video that gives you a summarized, easily understandable concept of what we are doing.
1: Very cool. Well, I'm going to be tracking your progress and uh, excited about what you're doing for the space. Wish you the best with your lunch. everyone what's up this is josh krieger with edge of nft here in singapore at token 2049 with jason ma good to see you again man it's been a minute this guy he knows what's up when it comes to hot pots that was one of the most epic satellite events at nftla so thank you for adding that value you not easy the house down
3: over yeah. 330 shut down haiti Lau.
1: Nice. Did you guys go hardcore with like the ingredients? Like there's some pretty interesting options for
3: hot pots, yeah? Oh yeah, it gets wild.
1: It's a good time. If you're not hot potted, you have not lived. So, but today we've got a lot going on too, man, with Open and and what you guys are doing at at Token 2049. What brought you here?
3: Well, I mean, this is Asia's biggest crypto conference, so 7,000 plus couldn't not be here. Yeah. Hot pot. We got one going on tonight. Yeah. So Heidi Lau. So just, you know, the community, I think we're really excited obviously teriyaki boys verbal we have a a3 mint and drop and collection we're doing with avalanche so that's happening live here in this room we have this room right here where you see a collaboration with whale shark and open so it's called open whale so it's 150 million us dollars worth of the most valuable NFTs in the world which you've already talked to whale shark from Pac to mako yamashita incredible stuff it's insane yeah i mean just that pack genesis is worth 60 million you know on the market
1: yeah Um, and and a lot of people have not
3: seen like high value nfts up close to personal it's a different experience totally To be in one physical place like this, it's historic. So it's the first time ever. It's also East meets West, you know, that's what I've always been about. And same with Whale Shark. And so we're just very, very excited. We just opened up main stage with Teriyaki Boys with Tokyo Drift. So that was also part of it. So bringing the heat from Japan and Tokyo for Singapore to the rest of the world. So we're very excited. But you know, Verbal and I, Ideated this A3 drop, which is basically 2000 NFTs of the actual Ambush necklace of their famous iconic lighter, but in Avalanche Red. And so you'll see that in a little bit when you talk to Verbal, where basically if you mint this one of one out of these 2000, then you have to get put into a raffle to win the Power Ambush Antagon Ring one of one, which you'll also see only at only at 20, only at 20, 20, 20, 20
1: Yeah, that's a really cool collaboration. And like more broadly speaking, you guys are doing a lot. I think there was just a big raise, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, for people that don't know already, what is Open up to in the world of Web3 and
3: beyond? Yeah, so Open, you know, we've actually been building for the last year. And, you know, a lot of people say, you know, they have a white paper without a product. We have a product without a white paper. And nice. so you can download Open, OP3N and iOS in the Apple store and Android and desktop, open.world, op3n.world. You can see here, it really is a super app for Web3. So think of this as Web3 chat. We basically become like a Web3 Facebook, Web3 WeChat, where basically if you're an IP and you have a community, you can manage all of your activity all on our app and our platform. So whether that's chat, whether that's NFT gated merch, ticketing, video, audio, live streaming, social marketplace, all in one place. And so we want to make the UI UX journey from Web2 to Web3 really seamless and so you can even buy these nfts with stripe and your credit card so even with the ambush and the a3 drop you can really buy it with your credit card without having to have you know anything else uh just direct so we're one of the first platforms to really integrate stripe so making it seamless
1: what's the experience been like talking to some of the communities about this product because like you know there's probably a mic drop moment here and there because it, people have challenges right telegram discord WeChat, what's up? They all have their own challenges. So what's been the response from the community?
3: I mean, when I actually show this to communities that have actual entity collections, they're just like, Dude, you serious? <laughs> because there's like, nothing against Discord, but they're like, you know, it's just too much. It's a right? lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. So you got to go on Twitter, then you've go on Discord, 24-7. People
1: hire people to run their it's Discord for them.
3: Literally. And so we make it seamless. We give you a community portal on the back end where you can manage all the token-gated channels. you got to manage your own merch, your own ticketing for your events, IRL or URL. Basically, just making it as simple as possible. So it feels like TikTok. It feels like Instagram. It feels like you're literally just on, you know, Kickstarter. But you have all the simple tools, but it's all on-chain. So basically we brought the best of Web2 tooling powered by blockchain in Web3. It's
1: amazing, man. Let's rewind a little bit because like how did you get involved in all this?
3: Um, Look, I'm a six-time founder. Uh, This is my sixth company. I've been in media entertainment for, you know, Five other companies, 88 Rising was one of the companies that you might or, might not know of, but we're fast-growing digital music label in the world. Now it's venture capital-backed, and I was working with artists, right? Music artists, and we owned the full stack because we owned the content, the artists, the distribution, all that full stack. And then I started my next company, Stampede, which was a Hollywood studio with Greg Soldman, former president of Warner Brothers, and began to understand the value of IP. He was the guy that optioned Harry Potter for 25K. When every publisher passed on it, wrote Dark Knight on a napkin, it was Al-Qaeda versus Batman, gave an unknown director named Christopher Nolan a chance. My point with all that was, I then learned the power of IP, that you can literally take an idea, a script or a book from Harry Potter to Dark Knight to 300 and turn it to a billion dollar franchise. But in Web 2, all that value accrued to who? Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, Google, or these tech giants, or these studios, right? or these music labels. And so when Web3, when I was like, wait a second here, when I saw the Ethereum documentary get fundraised in 24 hours, I think it was like a few million dollars with you know Vitalik as a producer. I was like, okay, that's super interesting. And everyone got to own a piece of that documentary, and they got credits. Then I saw Ash Kutcher do Stoner Cats, and he was like, you know what, instead of selling this to Netflix and getting a check, but never owning the IP ever again, He was like, I don't wanna be Squid Games, I made a billion dollars from Netflix, but the creator got paid, the director got paid a quarter million dollars. So he drops 10,000 PFPs of these stoner cats on OpenSea, he makes 10 million in Ethereum. I did the same with another rap artist, we dropped a million albums, priced them at a dollar each, made a credit card and crypto available, and it sold out in 57 seconds without Spotify, iTunes, or a music label. So I was Mm -hmm. like, this is crazy. So when I was basically building out Open, I was like, wait a second, what if I just use my experience, in UI UX and actually helped every musician or filmmaker have a simple platform, a simple app where they could actually launch their IP with their communities that support them without the middleman or middle layer. So that was open. That's how it got started. So I was an early investor in Music Beach, then became TikTok and then I helped finance the acquisition of Triller another company called Low Motive. So I really understood social video from a UI UX perspective. So I was like, okay, let's take that experience, that TikTok discovery timeline, but then with chat, put it together. It's almost like Discord and OPC had a baby. And it became open.
1: There you go. I think, and I think the, the 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 real genesis here is that IP is only as valuable as the community you build right. around it, right?
3: Well, look, I just you know I was at a Warner Music conference speaking to 150 Warner Music label CEOs and chairmen, and I was like, why Web three? What can Web three do for you as an artist? or an executive that Web2 can't, right? And so it was very interesting. Mike Shinoda was on a panel with me, the the leader of Linkin Park, and he's like, look, I don't need more Linkin Park fans, right? But I do have this subset of maybe a few thousand hardcore fans that love Mike Shinoda creativity. He went to, you know, design school. So he basically did two- Yeah, Nfp I've seen
1: drops. some live dra- uh, drawing sessions and he's an
3: incredible yeah. artist. Incredible artist. He literally was like, I went to design school, you know, he illustrates all these different things. And he's like, he has a subsect of hardcore fans that want to support his other creative ideas through Web3. So he's had two NFT music drops fully sold out, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you look at that, I'm like, what if you found The weekend before he was The weekend, and his name was The weekday? and he only had 10,000 followers on SoundCloud and Instagram. How many people come up to me now and say, oh, I used to listen to The weekend before he was anything or anyone. He was homeless on the streets, but he was so dope. But you can't prove that fandom, right? So with Web3, if I say, hey, I only have 10,000 fans, but I'm dropping 1,000 NFTs at the weekday, and if you buy in, you're gonna get this utility, this access, you're gonna forever get my music before anyone else does. 10 years later, he goes from 10,000 to 10 million, selling out stadiums in the super bowl how much is that one of one thousand worth right so i think that's the value of web3 is that it's not about going big and getting more followers it's about going small and going deeper and finding your 300 or your sparta you know community of your hardcore fans that will yeah. support you. From.
1: and then bring them out for some hot pot there you go hey man great to see you look forward to seeing you again in la at the next nft la wish you the best with the drop tomorrow oh man
3: i'll see you hop pot tonight let's do it let's go
0: We have reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs for today. Thanks everyone for exploring with us. We've got space though for more adventures on this starship. So invite your friends, recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all much better. How? Go to Spotify or iTunes right now, rate us and say something awesome. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. You can also come and participate in edgeofnft.com slash discord and get to know the community. Lastly, be sure to tune in next time for more great NFT content. And thanks for sharing this time with us today. The views and opinions expressed on the Edge of NFT podcast reflect solely those views and opinions of the show creators and its guests. We're learning as we go, just like you. Please make sure to do your own research. Our podcast is not financial advice. There are multiple strategies and not all strategies fit all people. We understand that you are using any and all information available on or through this podcast at your own risk.